What's going on, family? TGIF, happy Friday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner. I hope you guys are well. I want to say thank you, as always, for your continued support of all things connected to The Faction. If you're following us on the socials at The Faction Show, thank you so much. It is greatly appreciated. If you are subscribed to this podcast, which is likely how you're hearing us right now, thank you so much. And if you're brand new, if it's your first time, or you've been just kind of joining us sporadically, thank you as well. No shame, no guilt, no shade. We appreciate your continued support. Now, if you're not subscribed, feel free to hit the subscribe button wherever you're joining us so that you can get these notifications as soon as new content drops. And consider, if you will, sharing what we're doing with your circle of friends, your circle of wrestling fans, your community. Do that because it continues to spread the word. People have been doing it because the numbers continue to increase and we are excited to see the range and the reach of what we're doing here at The Faction continuing to grow. Okay, now that we have the pleasantries out of the way, it's time to get down to brass tacks because there is a lot to talk about and I don't want to keep you here too long but there's a lot we need to talk about let's first deep dive into NXT 2.0 so in the interest of full disclosure I fully planned on having something to you either Wednesday or even Thursday about NXT 2.0 And that didn't happen. And maybe I understand why now, because I've had a couple of days to sit with NXT 2.0. Let's start by saying this. It had been much heralded, the rebrand of NXT. We found out, of course, surrounding NXT TakeOver, the last TakeOver we saw, that there would be some changes We heard all sorts of things coming out of the dirt sheets, everything from Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard being at the helm on TV to the new logo to the new setup to the fact that there would be new superstars to the idea that independent wrestlers wouldn't get signed. We've heard all of that. At the end of the day, how would it equate to ratings, right? Because NXT is a new deal. It's not being considered a third brand anymore. As Triple H presented it, it is now returning to this concept of developmental. Well, let's start with the ratings and then we'll dig into the show. So the ratings came in like this. 770,000 viewers showed up for NXT 2.0, the premiere. Let's put this in context. Last week's show for NXT brought in 601,000 viewers. The show before that brought in 717,000 viewers. The last time that NXT had somewhere around 770,000 viewers, you have to go back to April the 20th, 2021, when they brought in 841,000 viewers. So it's the biggest uptick in viewership we've seen in quite some time and I have to tell you I understand why I think a lot of people wanted to see what this new NXT would look and feel like would it merely be a change in colors and still get the great wrestling content that we were accustomed to Or would this really be designed to look like a mini version of Raw 
or SmackDown? Well, the answer to me is found probably in the latter more than the former. We did get a ton of new superstars that came our way. In addition to the new superstars we got, of course, we saw the wedding uh, of Index, Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. One of the few weddings that actually happened where the two people got married but it was the first wedding in the history of nxt we also got a new nxt champion crowned in tomaso champa winning the fatal four-way so there's that now let's talk about the intangibles and some of the very noticeable differences once you get past the look and the feel there were a couple of things that were significantly different one of the things that happened in the previous nxt was we saw longer matches. This time around, not the case. Relatively shorter matches, matches that some of us would call squash matches with enhancement talent, quite a bit of that. Uh, there were probably two or three matches tops that actually had some length and some real meaning to them. That being, of course, the title match for the NXT Championship, the women's tag team match as well. And uh, the opening match that introduced Braun Breaker against L.A. Knight. So now let's get into this, because one of my major concerns is, number one, there were a lot of new wrestlers presented. In fact, three of the five new wrestlers that were presented were second generation wrestlers. But you likely did not know that unless you knew who they were coming into it. First and foremost, their names were not reflective of their family status. And then secondly, the NXT announcers were not allowed to mention their pedigree. So, for instance, if you did not know, Braun Breaker was the son or is the son of Rick Steiner. Rick Steiner, of course, one half of the Steiner Brothers, an amazing tag team. One time they were WWE tag team champions, multiple time WCW tag team champions, one of the most influential tag teams in the world of pro wrestling. Rick Steiner's son debuting in WWE seems to make a lot of sense, seems to be a really big move, but you would never know that with the name Braun Breaker and absolutely no mention of his father's name, with the exception of a little wink wink when Vic Joseph said that he resembled a dog-faced gremlin, which, of course, was a reference to Rick Steiner. Well, according to Dave Meltzer, who, you know, we can take some things with a grain of salt, he did say that the WWE did some kind of weird things. But Brian Alvarez, who's someone I trust a bit more, and one of the things that he said was that Rick Steiner's name could not be mentioned on WWE TV because that's the edict that was handed to the announcers. Now, we do know that there's bad blood between Scott Steiner and the WWE, but there are no issues with Rick Steiner. And granted, it's not the first time that a WWE superstar with a generational pedigree was not mentioned when Curtis Axel came to WWE. Of course, he's the son of Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, but nobody mentioned that. That same night, of course, on NXT Tuesday night, again, Rick Steiner's son was not the first second-generation superstar to appear that night. Ben Buchanan, who came from SHW, by the way, was renamed 
as Brooks Jensen. And there's no mention that he is the son of Bull Buchanan. And then there's Von Wagner. Why did Von Wagner end up in the main event for the NXT Championship? Well, Von Wagner's birth name is Cal Bloom, and he is the son of the former Wayne Bloom, who was part of the tag team, the Beverly Brothers. You remember the Beverly Brothers from the WWE, and they were a tag team actually in the AWA before they came to the WWE. So three second-generation superstars whose pedigrees were completely ignored. Is that a reflection of what we knew as NXT or this new direction as NXT 2.0? And it's clear to say that that's a reflection of the latter and not the former. So it's interesting. You have, of course, larger ratings, which I'm sure Vince McMahon will say is a win. There are some fans who enjoyed NXT 2.0. They like the direction. And while I will not besmirch them, what I will say is it's very clear that NXT 2.0, whose design is to prepare its superstars to flourish in Raw and SmackDown, NXT 2.0 has become like Raw and SmackDown. It has become sports entertainment. So if you are a fan of sports entertainment, then NXT 2.0 really worked for you. Here's the other side of this, which I think gets interesting. We'll have to take a look in the coming weeks at the ratings for NXT 2.0 to see if this is something that is sustainable. If it is, what it really says is WWE's fan base of sports entertainment would prefer sports entertainment versus pro wrestling. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm saying it's important from a business standpoint to understand what your people want. And if the fans of WWE don't really want pro wrestling and they prefer sports entertainment, then you change NXT to NXT 2.0 and you make it sports entertainment and you return it to its developmental state. So the question now is, does USA rescind the deal that they had with NXT? After all, NXT was brought to USA because of the hard-hitting action, because of the growth in popularity, because people loved what NXT had become. This is a new product. Will it work for USA? I think the answer will ultimately be in the ratings that are delivered. Remember, it was USA's idea to move NXT from Wednesdays to Tuesdays in a hope that more people would see that there wouldn't be competition and that it would produce greater ratings. So here's the deal. And I think this is why it's so important that there's so much wrestling available. I think what wrestling fans have to determine is what degree and flavor of wrestling you like if you like sports entertainment there's nothing wrong with that you have a place in wwe if you like perhaps more hard-hitting action you have a place in aew or ring of honor or new japan if you like some mixture of the two perhaps there's a place for you in impact or some of the other indie organizations with that said this is why it's important that the wrestling business has a lot of flavors to offer so that as a wrestling fan, you'll get to enjoy what it is that you actually like. I'm determining, for me, I like pro wrestling. 
with maybe a hint of sports entertainment, but I think the entertainment piece has to be organic and not contrived. WWE doesn't necessarily give that to us. Now, I'm not going to stop watching WWE because it's where a lot of things are happening. And as a true wrestling fan and a reporter, you have to stay up on what's going on. But at the same time, you have your preference. You know what you like. And that's just kind of the way that is. I would love to hear what you guys thought of NXT 2.0, the relaunch, the rebrand. Hit us up on the socials and let us know. This is SHW 29. It's going to be an absolutely stellar night with two big title matches and the most unpredictable show in all of independent wrestling. Come on, somebody stop this. Being the monster they thought they wanted. All right, guys, from NXT 2.0, we go to AEW Dynamite, which, again, just continues to roll. And I do mean roll. As AEW Dynamite brought in 1.175 million viewers. Now, that is down from last week's 1.319 million viewers. It's down by about 140,000 viewers. However, and this is the big however, AEW Dynamite, beat Monday Night Raw in the key demographic of the 18 to 49 demographic. And this is massively huge. So AEW brought in 574,000 viewers in that 18 to 49 demographic, while Raw brought in 556,000 viewers in that same demographic. I think this is interesting because, of course, Monday Night Raw had a larger viewership than AEW Dynamite overall, but many of them are fighting for that 18 to 49 demographic, which is to say that the WWE... The bulk of their viewers these days are either below 18 or above 49. This is why you're not getting a lot of Attitude Era type programming, because, again, it's built towards a different fan base. Meanwhile, Dynamite for AEW, literally half of their viewers are 18 to 49. So this is just interesting to look at because that viewership, that demographic is heavily fought for in the world of pro wrestling. It's the demographic that really made the Monday Night War happen. It's the demographic, of course, that's buying merch and that's going to be active on the socials as well. So that's why there's such a fight between WWE and AEW for this demographic. And right now, I never thought, I'm not going to say I never thought, but it is certainly amazing to see how AEW is really competing with Monday Night Raw at this point, considering that they were battling, of course, NXT originally. Now then, a great night for AEW, great stories being told, a super hot crowd. And speaking of super hot crowds, we have to again shout out the incredible crowd in Boston for WWE Raw. It was a great crowd as well. I love active and exciting crowds, and that's what we're getting all over the sport. It's an amazing time to be a wrestling fan. Now, AEW, I think they set up an amazing show for next week. And quite frankly, they're setting up Rampage as well. Here's the deal. 
And I've talked about Rampage before with it being sometimes taped, sometimes live. Here's what's going to work for Rampage. They're going to have to have some incredible matches so that we don't care whether or not it's taped, right? That's got to be the deal. And they're certainly setting that up for this week with a tag team title match. The Butcher and the Blade will be battling for the titles against the Lucha Brothers. That's happening tonight. And then next week, they're doing basically a super show from the Arthur Ashe Center, which is going to be huge. I think it's going to look incredible. I pray that it does not rain in New York because it's going to be a great, great night, a big night for Dynamite, a two-hour night for Rampage next week. This is all going to be must-see TV. So AEW is figuring it out. And they're doing a great job. That means four hours of wrestling next Friday with a two-hour SmackDown and a two-hour AEW Rampage. But we're wrestling fans, right? This is what we live for. Speaking of SmackDown, SmackDown's going down tonight. And we did break on the socials last night that we now know when Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns will have their Titanic clash. It's going to happen at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia in October. Now, I'm not going to get into my feelings about Crown Jewel or the Saudi Arabia situation. Maybe I'll do that another time. But I do think it's interesting that this massive match is being taken internationally, especially in these COVID streets. All right. With that said, let's talk about last night. The socials have been a buzz about the return of Dark Side of the Ring as Part two of season three kicked off last night with stories about the infamous plane ride from hell. So this has been one of those stories that has been floating around the world of pro wrestling. We got really, if you watched the WWE Network before it moved to Peacock, there was a cartoon done about this where they talked about the plane ride from hell. But what happened last night on Dark Side of the Ring was a much different presentation of this plane ride from hell than what the WWE gave us on their cartoon on the WWE Network. A lot of people have been talking about Tommy Dreamer, Ric Flair. Their names were trending last night, as was Dark Side of the Ring. If you have not watched Dark Side of the Ring, I want to suggest strongly that you go and watch it. You can watch it on Vice TV's app. It is available on demand as well uh, through your cable provider. And uh, it may be on YouTube. I'll have to double check that. But it is an incredible, incredible broadcast where they talk to several of the folks that were on that plane ride, including a perspective we've yet to hear from. And that was some of the people who worked on that plane ride, particularly a stewardess who really was violated. Let's just call a spade a spade. And so watching this, I have to say I was infuriated and I was infuriated because I could not believe the facts that I heard. I could not believe the stories that were told. Ric Flair, Tommy Dreamer, deplorable, absolutely deplorable. And I'm going to go ahead and make some strong statements here. Now, I'm not going to completely spoil this for you, so definitely go back and watch. If you watched, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Though I will say this, there were accusations that 
uh, Ric Flair exposed himself to the flight attendant, really tried to approach her and made her feel incredibly uncomfortable. Tommy Dreamer has gone on record on this show saying it was a joke. It really wasn't that big of a deal. The young lady who had just had a baby and this was her first flight since having the baby did not feel anything like it was a joke. There was indeed a lawsuit that happened uh, for several folks in the WWE. That lawsuit ended up being settled out of court. Flair was never punished by the WWE or anyone else, while others, there were some who were part of that incredibly insane plane ride. Some were fired, some were suspended, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's what I'm going to say. I think it's deplorable that the WWE actually took a very long time to put China into the Hall of Fame because, as Triple H said, if my eight-year-old son goes on and Googles China, what will he see? And we can't have that represented in the Hall of Fame. Yet you put Ric Flair in the Hall of Fame, someone who, by multiple eyewitness accounts, clearly violated this woman, made her feel incredibly uncomfortable, wanted her to touch his nether region, swung it around in her face. The woman was licked by Scott Hall. Uh, a horrible scenario. And yet you put Ric Flair, doggone it, and Scott Hall in the Hall of Fame, not once, but twice. Flair was the first two-time Hall of Famer. Flair has been so highly regarded, and yet this incident says to me he is a horrible person, horrible person. He denies any wrongdoing, but multiple people are giving the same account from what they saw. I think it's a terrible day in the world of pro wrestling. I think Tommy Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer represents so many men who feel like violating a woman is a joke. And I think it's horrible. Now, don't take my word for it. You go and watch and you make your own determination. But I think something has to be done where in a business that is male dominated, where women aren't respected as they should be. And this wasn't even a woman in the industry that was disrespected. This was a woman who was doing her job. This is deplorable. And something has to be done about this. And I just say, for as quickly as people canceled Hulk Hogan because of his racist tirade that was caught on tape, I just can't believe that Ric Flair still gets to be heralded as this amazing hero in the wrestling ring when he's such a horrible person based on this account. So I know I've said some fairly strong things. I have probably more strong things to say, but I'm not going to right now. But I just think this is terrible. But I want to hear your thoughts on Dark Side of the Ring, The Plane Ride from Hell, 
Ric Flair, Scott Hall, and several of the other incredible stories that came out of that broadcast. Hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show and let us know. Big night in wrestling tonight. Tonight, on a national scale, you've got another episode of SmackDown happening. You've got Rampage happening for AEW. Tonight, I'll be a part of a big show called Hell Freezes Over, which is going to happen at the Action Building here in the Atlanta area, where Eight promotions will be coming together. Eight titles will be on the line for an incredible show. We've talked so much about the Forbidden Door. It has been kicked wide open here in the state of Georgia. And so I hope you guys, if you're in the Atlanta area or if you're coming, I would love to see you. I'm getting the honor to do commentary there tonight. It should be absolutely special. I do believe it will be made available at some point on YouTube or Facebook. And when that happens, I'll be sure to share that with you guys. But uh, it's going to be a great night. And I just love what's happening in the world of pro wrestling. Do us a favor if you're not doing it already. Follow us at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Certainly leave your comments. We would love to talk to you and respond in kind. Have an amazing weekend, family. Representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is... Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction.